We don't aim to solve all the world's problems, but we do offer you peace of mind, hope, laughter, and ideas on how you can help improve circumstances and communities. Good change is for you. For us, we take to heart your concerns about anger, injustice, and helplessness, the pain that we each feel, and give you something better to witness, something better to believe in. In many ways, this podcast is the opposite of self-help. It's us help. We draw attention to kindness, to the better angels of our nature. We swap stories that bring smiles, deep breaths, inspiration, and ideas to help us evolve. We introduce you to people who are positively transforming lives, leaders of movements, or everyday heroes who are making change. Good change. Good change highlights the common ground we share, the unlimited positive impact of a single person, and the greater good. Welcome to Good Change, a podcast about making a world of difference. Please welcome your host and good change maker, Ken Streeter. Hi, everybody. It's Ken Streeter with the Good Change Podcast. And today's guest is a, a dear friend of mine and a mentor. Uh, it's William McGinnis, who is the author of Whitewater Rafting, which is the Bible of the activity, the Bible of the industry. Uh, he also founded and ran Whitewater Voyages, which was a leading cutting edge uh, wilderness and day trip rafting company based in California. Uh, he's most recently shifted to writing um, adventure and spy. And what's the right word, Bill? What's the, what's the type of book that you're writing? Well, you could, you could, it, it, I call them uh, the, the um, uh, Adam Weldon thriller, thriller series, but uh, they go by, they fit into the thriller, mystery, suspense category. Right on. And, and they're great books. And it's, we'll talk a little bit about how somebody who is a leader in the wilderness and whitewater trip industry became a thriller author. Uh, welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you so much, Ken. Great to be here. So my, my experience with Bill goes back uh, many, many years, decades, when, when I was a youngster or younger than I am now. Uh, I had the good fortune of working for Whitewater Voyages, Bill's company. I, I eventually made it up to the general manager status. And so for a few years, Bill and I worked side by side, and I was able to learn about running rafting companies and, and uh, wilderness adventure trips and uh, more importantly, I was able to learn about um, what it takes to be a good leader. And Bill's work in that industry and elsewhere has blessed us with folks who have also been able to work uh, under his wing. And today there are literally dozens and dozens of people who are leading nonprofit organizations or businesses that are focused on sustainability or school districts. And I just wanted to take this minute right now, Bill, to say thank you for, for being a mentor to so many people and for, for being willing to teach younger people good ways to do things. Well, I'm honored and flattered and um, uh, uh, amazed at, uh, at all that, <laughs> at, at that wonderful um, intro and um, uh, acknowledgement. Um, uh, it was a... Uh, it was an amazing kind of journey. Um, uh, the universe is full of uh, so many wonderful souls. The universe just sent incredible people, such as yourself, uh, into my uh, sphere. And um, uh, my goal along the way was to, you know, survive as a business, but also to uh, create the kind of experiences that I wanted to, uh, you know, that, that enhanced my experience that has enhanced my life and um uh you guys you know you and so many uh just uh, just amazing people it was just an incredible adventure to uh and privilege to to do that i think the word voyage i you know, think about the company name whitewater voyages and you know there's a lot of companies out there whitewater excitement uh, rapid river runners uh um, uh, river adventures, 
But I think of the word voyages as really apropos for what you created as the founder and, and owner of that company. It, has, it, has it been truly a, a voyage for you that you maybe never even foresaw the potential of, of the impact that it would have? Um, absolutely. I, I didn't, you know, there's an old uh, set of guidelines that, oh, you need to have set goals in order to achieve something. Um, I didn't find that to be the case for me. Um, I just tried to make the most of each day. And, uh, uh, and you, you do need to plan ahead, uh, you know, and put a lot of effort into creating the kind of future you want to be in. But um, it wasn't so much uh, having these goals, it just kind of unfolded. And, um, you know, people showed up and the universe responded and um, you keep trying to provide something that, that will uh, enhance the universe, but enhance my life, you know, one's own life. And uh, it, it just kind of, um, it's as though the universe was teaching me. Uh, I really feel that I was uncovering archetypal levels of knowledge, uh, levels of awareness, kind of shapes out there in the, in the, you know, in the intangible universe that I was discovering them. And, uh, 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 the world um, uh, just evolved and all of this uh, uh, was an amazing adventure that just kind of unfolded around me and I had a lot to do with it, but I don't really take credit for it. It just, uh, it, you know, it's just an amazing thing to be alive, really. So you talked about setting goals and not necessarily having long-term goals, but planning ahead. And one of the things that you did differently, and I have to think that this was an intention, maybe a goal, was to have the outfitting industry in its infancy take a slightly different direction with how clients were regarded and treated. You fostered a far more participatory and almost holistic approach to guiding. And, and tell us why. why. Why was that important to you? Thanks for that question. Um, uh, as I alluded a moment ago, um, uh, being on a river trip, being, you know, um, doing things you, uh, uh, I, I was trying to create the kind of trip, the kind of experience that I wanted to be in, you know, and, and a river trip is a wonderful kind of microcosm because it's its own world. You're with these people uh, continuously for however long the trip uh, go, endures. And uh, uh, the, uh, the kind of uh, space that I wanted to be in was one that was nurturing to me. Mm. And uh, the be very best way to be in a nurturing space is to nurture the people around you. Mm. And uh, so um, I wanted to be in a place where it was okay for me to not be perfect. Uh, for me to be myself, to, for me to have the feelings I had, um, and also one where I could um, uh, really kind of open up with at least some of the people, you know, um, and uh, let my hair down and, you know, uh, be myself. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that I um, have uh, often, you know, wo woven into our guide schools and my writing and so on, which is, if you can, um, if you can say how you feel to at least one other person, it can free you to feel something new. Mm. And I'll say that again. If you can say how you feel to at least one other person, it can free you to feel something new. And so in that is embedded a, a deep kind of truth. Uh, we are like rivers. We have um, this inner uh, flow. If, 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 if we're blocked and dammed up, we, um, we become diseased, we become unhealthy, we're unhappy, uh, whether it's physically or just, you know, or just a, a level of stress or something, it all, it can vary. But um, the more we can keep that inner flow going of expressing our feelings, getting them out there, and then, and then having new feelings, and moving, progressing, evolving, basically we can cope with anything if we can keep, keep doing that. And if we can be in settings <clears throat> with people that, uh, where we can 
uh, talk honestly and, and truly openly and be received in a way that is uh, accepting as opposed to being judged or put down or, you know, competed with or whatever, you know. Um, and so it's that kind of atmosphere that, uh, that I was, uh, that I found was nurturing for myself. And, uh, and it was just, uh, the universe was just, you know, blaring loud and clear, hey, this is the kind of atmosphere I want to be in. And I was in a very privileged position because as a trip leader, as a, you know, as an outfitter, I could, um, I could uh, try to influence that. And also I could select people who were open to that message. And uh, that was kind of a core guide, uh, guideline for me was to um, uh, uh, sense whether people would be open to that message and, uh, and, and pull those people into my sphere. And uh, you, for instance, and others just, you know, uh, were very open and resonate, you know, resonated with that. And so it got to be a, a kind of a wonderful, uh, amazing experience of just uh, being able to create the kind of adventure that uh, in the kind of atmosphere that that uplifted me. And it turned out out that other people just totally responded to that. And uh, it was really at the heart of why Whitewater Voyages was what it was, is that people came and often they would say, oh, I just love rivers, or I love whitewater rafting, or I love whitewater voyages. But um, they, what they really were responding to was this atmosphere where they, where they felt okay, mm. you know, where they moved from not a river trip isn't just a matter of moving from put in to take out down a river. It's a matter of moving from being afraid to being more confident to more joyous, uh, moving from feeling uh, cut off from uh, the people around you, kind of a stranger in a group to feeling more bonded with those people, really at one with those people and, and really appreciating those people and, and feeling their appreciation of you. And another aspect of it is maybe feeling, um, moving from feeling somewhat uh, scattered or self-critical to feeling more self-accepting, more whole. And when that happens, you feel more alive, more energized, more present, uh, literally more, um, more absolutely whole and vital and, and uh, uh, appreciative of, of, of what an amazing thing it is to be alive. And, on that note, you also move from feeling somewhat oblivious or cut off from nature to feeling aware of how amazing this natural, beautiful world we're in. And of course, a river, a river canyon is just, you know, so magical and so beautiful. And so it just, when you're, when you're there, even if you're not feeling good, it's a beautiful place. But if you are feeling this level of, um, uh, of nurturing, both nurturing the people around you, but feeling their nurturing and feeling the acceptance and so on, and, and avoiding things like uh, put downs and machismo and you know stuff like that, and uh, just focus on um, accepting people, uh, valuing people, uh, taking an interest in people, and having them do the same with you. Um, it's uh, it's just quite an amazing experience to to do, and so. Uh, I was just trying to create uh, fun that, that that's, I kind of call that deep fun, you know? And yeah. so I was trying to kind of create deep fun for myself and for those around me. And so that's, uh, that was the kind of the essence of what made whitewater voyages, what it was. And, and you know, that, that, you know, this is all happening in the seventies and eighties, you know, late seventies, mid seventies, yeah. early eighties. And there was no such thing like that in leadership in any industry at that point, it was regimented top down, uh, uh, dictatorial is probably too strong of a word, but there, there weren't work cultures that embraced that philosophy. And when you look at it today and you look at how Google is run and Facebook is run and, and the environments, the ecosystems that they are providing for employees, you, you led the way and, and you probably had no idea that that could trickle out. But based on, as we said earlier, the number of people that have taken leadership roles uh, throughout the world in different agencies or companies or institutions, um, you you helped plant the seed for this far more 
pleasurable and holistic and collegial and supportive work culture. That's cool. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, I have, uh, I, I, to be honest, I have reflected on that, and uh, it's it's a it's a truly amazing thing. I don't take full credit for that. It's just amazing people came. Uh, to Whitewater Voyages and participated. But when I look at all the amazing things that so many of our alumni or our family members are out there doing, um, it's, it's truly uh, awe-inspiring, you know, the, the, uh, what's, what, what is happening. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I can't really take credit, but somehow, um, I am deeply honored and thrilled that uh, that what I what I uh, endeavored to create has uh, reverberated out like a pebble in a pond has yeah. has rippled out you know into the universe. So that's, that's a, a perfect metaphor. That's exactly what happened and is happening still to this day. And you, it literally it, it, for for companies wanting to attract the best employees today, what they pitch to those potential employees is the exact environment that you've described that you created on river trips uh, throughout the West. And, and Whitewater Voyages quickly became a leader in the industry um, in, in terms of guides wanting to work there and the number of clients that you took down the river and, and just the kind of the promotion of the industry in general through those efforts. And um, I think it's a reflection of the fact that people were starved for that. And then as we're experiencing today, it's proof in work cultures that are created around that. So hats off to you for, for making a huge impact in not only in the outfitting industry, but throughout the world. Um, well, I, I take, I take credit only for all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So this is only an hour show. We're not going to be able to get into the bad stuff, okay? We're just going to focus on the good stuff. So uh, what in the world led you to, to starting a rafting company? You know, we talked about you wrote the, the kind of the Bible of the, of the industry and the activity whitewater rafting. So give us a little history there. What happened? Well, um, I had no idea that I would uh, become a professional commercial river guide, you know, outfitter. Um, I, uh, I did train with one of the first outfitters uh, in California. Uh, and uh, it, it, the training took about half an hour. <laughs> uh, and uh, part of what I learned in that, what I was taught was, um, was incorrect, you know, uh -huh. but, but uh, as time went on, um, I just learned more and more and uh, to write my book, I, I had been rafting by then just uh, privately uh, it, as well as the, the, the training I did as a, as a guide, but uh, uh, just, I just started rafting on my own and so on. And um, for 11 years uh, I had been uh, running rivers and I uh, just thought, Hey, I, I, in, in some ways um, my deepest, uh, most long lifelong uh, ambition has been to write mm. and uh, I wanted to write a, a book. And um, so I just thought, well, I'll write a book about uh, whitewater rafting. And uh, when I was finishing that book, um, I uh, was writing an appendix of, of rafting companies. And I thought to myself, you know, if I ever want to start a rafting company, uh, I had been sort of semi-professional in that I had been running ads in papers and I, I went out to Sproul Plaza one time, put a raft against a tree and said, river trips inquire here and stuff. And, uh, and like one, from that one day on Sproul Plaza, I, I rafted for an entire summer uh, with, the, with the various people who I had met that day. And um, anyway, I wanted to... Um, uh, it just occurred to me that uh, if I was ever going to uh, uh, explore the option of, of being a professional river guide, that I darn well ought to put myself on that list. And so I did. And uh, so uh, basically that, you know, uh, that first book published by the New York Times and in all the libraries and all over the places, 
it, you know, it was in its own modest, you know, a small pond way, it was a big deal. And um, it, uh, it just launched Whitewater Voyages. And so um, I, uh, I was out there, uh, you know, I, I didn't have time to turn around for years and years. I was just, you know, swamped. Yeah, right on. <laughs> so, so in addition to writing that book, the Bible, uh, you, you then decided to share what you knew as an outfitter and what you'd learned with the younger generation of guides, the first or second generation of guides at, at Whitewater Voyages. And you wrote a couple of more books that, that helped shape the industry as well. Tell us a little bit about the guide's guide. And Well, um, what I, uh, you know, because I had this unique goal for, uh, for our, our trip trips, um, I would, uh, and in the very beginning, I mean, there was one, there was one season early on where uh, all of our former guides and so on were all busy or couldn't make it or whatever. And I, and I had to uh, run some trips with all brand new guides. Mm. And so on the, in the, in the, as we drove from um, our, you know, our, our staging point to the river, uh, I had to, um, I had to uh, kind of bring these guys in, in alignment with the kind of trip I wanted to create. And so I made a bunch of notes and, and uh, would, would give this kind of talk. And it was basically, you know, the essence of what became the guide's guide. And uh, so as time went on, um, especially when different things happened, like one time we were camped on the uh, Rio Grande River Texas-Mexico border, uh, and uh, a rainstorm came in in the middle of the night, and um, uh, I got up and went around and tried to help people put up their tents and all that sort of thing, but I found out the next morning that, um, that uh, two of our guides, who were really great people, they had simply they they knew where the tarps were. They just went and got tarps and and covered up and just went to sleep. They didn't help anybody, you know. <laughs> and instead of getting mad at them, um, I uh, I just I just wrote a journal entry and that and that went into the in, into the guide's guide. And there's there's still a you know an entry there that says, you know, um, when when things happen, take care of the clients. Don't just take care of yourself. Your job is to be there for those people. You're a professional. And, um, but I did it in such a way that wasn't uh, belittling or saying, hey, you idiot, don't do such and such. I said, you know, a really smart guide is this is how they behave, you know, and this is what they do. And uh, so I, I was, because uh, nobody wants to read a, a long book that lectures them, you know, yeah. says, don't be an idiot, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have turned into a to a bestseller if every page would just said don't be an idiot you know 150 <laughs> pages that kind of like writing it on the chalkboard when you got in trouble when you're in elementary school uh yeah so true and um i'm i'm re reminded of a uh of a the manual of 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 a very good rafting company but they had a they had a their their uh, staff manual had a, a big page of saying do these things and you get fired. Wow. <laughs> and there's a long list, you know, 50 yeah. things that you do these things, and you get fired. And uh, so I, I took a little more positive um, approach. And uh, of course, the positive brings out the positive and it's much better, much wow. wiser. But it was often not, not by some deep, um, you know, uh, like I was, like I was writing some wave of, of uh, deep, wisdom i i was just winging it and figuring out how to do it and you know and it just occurred to me well why don't i, I put it in the positive and i did yeah so that's a remarkable statement that you know this is the good change podcast and uh, the idea that we have the potential for making change individually and communally um a cornerstone philosophy to that, I think, has to be that the positive brings out the positive. In yeah. order to elevate personally and elevate societally, 
uh, that's the direction, that's the energy. And so that was the underpinning or the, 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 the woven philosophy of this book was the positive brings out the positive and you wrote it in that style. And then just more and more information kept needing to get added and, and the industry changed yeah. a little bit and you wrote the next book. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the, the, the original guides guide, um, uh, it was just basically time to, uh, I, I wrote it for, gui for our, our guides as a staff manual, but I just thought this is something that's valuable um, for every outfitter, but also uh, everybody, you know, like my mom, who is, um, you know, not biased at all. <laughs> said, Hey, Bill, this is a, this is a wonderful book about how to be a good person. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I, I, I said, well, thank you, mom. That's, that's exactly what I was hoping it would be. And, um, uh, uh, yeah. So you wrote the guide's guide augmented, which right. just added a whole bunch more information about how to be a good river guide and how to be a good person. Yeah. And I embellished in that one, uh, I became a little more explicit about my philosophy of uh, uh, appreciating people and, um, uh, you know, certain little mantras like uh, asking yourself if, especially if you notice that your mind is wandering, you know, human, a human uh, trait, uh, you know, is that our minds wander. And it's a beautiful thing in a way, but it, it also means that you often aren't focused on where you are. Did you, yeah. I'm sorry, did, I wasn't following you. Did you just say something about it's a human trait to have the mind wander? <laughs> well, you'll probably see in the course of this, of this uh, interview that I definitely do that. And uh, uh, so that's just part of life. But um, uh, yeah, we, uh, our, our, our attention, um, it, it's just human to do that. And what's, it's part of, it's really, it's, it's not a problem. It's, it's just a part of being human. And if you define yourself as, oh, I have to absolutely stay focused a hundred percent of the time. I just don't know how you would, how you, you would function even through a day, mm. you know, without being stressed out. Um, it, no, it's, it's a matter of just accepting that. And then every time you notice that your awareness has wandered, invite it back gently. And, and it, like, for instance, in the Guide's Guide Augmented, I had a little section that I, uh, where I mentioned that when you notice that you're not being present with the people you're with, uh, you know, and when you run a river over and over and over, mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge to be present with each group. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a, a primary um, uh, part of the job, but it's, it's, it's in a way, if you're going to make the most of that time for yourself, you want to be present. Hmm. You don't want to be thinking about what you're going to do after the trip. You want to be on that trip and with those people and with yourself and make the most of that time because that's, that's your life. You know, you, you can't just, uh, I mean, you can just look forward to retirement or the end of the trip or the future, but your your whole life goes by and you're always looking forward. You're, you know, you're never being savoring the moment, making the most of the moment. And anyway, in order to, um, uh, as a little mantra to help people uh, embrace the moment, call themselves into the moment, uh, I actually carved this into uh, some wood, uh, some of my wood signs, you know, that of little wisdom signs or whatever that are around the whitewater voyages um, world. Um, and so the phrase goes like, uh, how can I enhance my experience and the experience of the people I'm with right now? Hmm. And so if, if you, if you, of course, if you can remember to, to ask yourself that you kind of already got it, you know, <laughs> but um it's a phrase that if you can run that through your mind and I would do that on river trips, you know, if I noticed, Oh, there I go. I'm thinking about, you know, um, uh, the future. Uh, and I'd say, how can I enhance my experience and the experience of the people I'm with right now? And you know, it was, it was funny. I often would notice just by, if I could remember that and say that to myself, something would happen, something would shift. Mm. And a little while later, somebody would say something or I'd say something and 
pretty much then we were just all called into the moment. We were all just on a roll, just we're just being present and alive and you know, kind of electric with each other. And um and uh that so that phrase uh seemed to have a uh you know a special uh talisman like magic to it you know right on yeah and that that's something that is totally unique about rafting but uh that in a rapid you are forced to be completely present yeah but as you're drifting along in between rapids you're not you can your mind can easily wander and so to to nudge yourself with that reminder on an interpersonal level and on a, just a connection level is super important. There's a a religious philosopher who says that the, the true religious moments come when you're so in the here and now that you don't even recognize that you're in the here and now. And so Mm -hmm. if you can bring yourself back to that level with the people around you, it's magical. Like you said, electric, it's electric you get that from, from guiding rafts and being outdoors in these uh, remarkably dramatic and beautiful places. Mm -hmm. Do you get that same here and now uh, vibe when you write? You know, I want to just compliment you, Ken, you're an amazing guy. (laughs) (laughs) There's this whole good change um, podcast and your book, your book is, is absolutely world changing and wonderful. You know, it's just this wonderful uh, you know, uh, amazing, positive pebble in the pond of the universe, mm-hmm. just fending out, you know, in a beautiful ways. And uh, you, Thank you, 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 you yourself in this podcast and so on. I mean, uh, if I had some, some role in your past to help you in this direction, you know, I am deeply honored, you know, and so uh Anyway, so, yes, you did have a, a big hand in that, and I'm eternally grateful for that. And I, like you, there, you know, I've just been handed some cool circumstances, and I've tried to make the best of them. And um, so, so, do you feel that or find that in the moment uh, essence when you write? I do. Um, yeah. No. Uh, and writing is difficult. Um, it's. Uh, uh, it's easy to um, feel overwhelmed at times. Um, right at the moment, I'm in a place where I'm actually writing what might be the epilogue of my novel. Um, mm. the, the, the final, uh, it's, it's after all the action and kind of, there's still some action in, the, in this, this is a kind of oddball epilogue, but it has a certain amount of action, resolution stuff. But for the most part, the big climaxes, the big ac- action of the of the whole story has 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 passed, and now uh, a lot of the things it's it's just kind of like um, summarizing things that have been learned, uh, uh, summarizing um, uh, uh, some solutions, and and it's it's kind of it's it's a very ambitious book. Um, it, it deals with the whole role of China and America right now. Oh, that's, that, <laughs> there's no, there's no ambition there. There's no reason to try to address that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a kind of a piddly little subject. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but I want to, you know, it, I, I, I'm thrilled by the, uh, by the fact that it feels like, um, uh, a really well-told story at this point to me. And are you, as you're writing that epilogue section, are you, do you find yourself more in the here and now in the flow state as you're writing kind of well, reflection section or just period when you write? Well, um, uh, the writing process definitely brings me into the moment. And uh, one nice thing is that uh, now age almost 74, going to be 74 in a couple of weeks here, um, I, uh, 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 my days of, of, uh, really pushing myself and certainly my days of being really at my best to take care of other people on Whitewater Rivers are past me. Hmm. And, uh, 
uh, and as a, you know, if you're going to guide, you really need to be in really top form just to be responsible, you know, to be at your best so that you can uh, uh, do your very best to, to provide safe experiences for people. And uh, so that's passed for me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what's not passed is um, hopefully, you know, decades of, uh, of just uh, sitting around writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it, no, the days when I get to write um, are, are really exciting days. And um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It, there's, you know, quite often with each, with each new chapter, with each new scene that I write, uh, I, I, I have the feeling of, of, uh, of just jumping into the unknown mm. and almost like throwing myself off a cliff. But if I just do it, uh, if I launch forward, and even if I can only come up with one word or a, or a phrase or something, my uh, a little tip that I'll offer, and it, it's something that uh, helps me enormously, is to realize, one, that there are an infinite number of ways to say anything to write any story. Infinite number. Mm. There's an infinite number of ways to do it wrong, too. But, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an infinite number of ways to do it well. And, uh, and so it, it's, it, I don't have to come up with the one perfect phrasing or sentence or whatever. If you, if you set out that goal, it's pretty much guaranteed writer's block. You can't, you can't, you know, it's really hard to write the perfect sentence, you know, you just, it, you just interesting parallel there between that and tending to others on a river trip is there's no perfect way, but if you're present and focused and, and want to move forward effectively, then make that your your essential goal. Absolutely, um, that's so true. And I I would try to uh, Im, you know embed that into our guide schools that there's no formula, there's no set formula. And if you are operating out of a rigid set formula, you're probably not doing it very well. Hmm. Uh, it's more a matter of having some guidelines, uh, tuning into yourself, your own unique nature and listening to your own deep intuition and responding to the people around you and being, you know, you're an amazing person yourself. You know, each, each river guide has a totally unique gift to offer the universe. And uh, so you need to somehow tune into yourself in the context of being with these other people on a river trip or uh, being sitting at the, at a keyboard writing a book, you know, um, and uh, tuning into what's, what is, you know, what comes to me to, to how to say this. Mm. And uh, uh, I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled and blown away by the fact that um, over and over and over day after day, I, I can often go through a rhythm of, of being overwhelmed or being, you know, at a loss, but then I inch forward. Oh, and that other guideline, I said, my one guideline is there's an infinite number of ways to do it well. And the other guideline is if you're not writing, then you're trying to take too big a step. If you're not moving forward, you're trying to take too big a step. So just right. make it down into a smaller, smaller, smaller step. And the smaller step could be just bringing your mind onto the subject. Mm. or thinking of one word or one phrase. And maybe it's not the right phrase, but it's a phrase. It's, it's a, in the direction you're, you're, you're going, you know? And so you, 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 you just, and, and uh, nowadays with, with Siri and dictation and so on, you can, you can just, you know, one of the phases of real rough drafting for me is just have dictation on and, um, and just talk about mm. what might fit into this next chapter, what, you know, and then I come back and shape it and shape it and, and so on. And it definitely calls me into the moment. It's definitely running a rapid. And um, by the end, you know, you get down to the bottom and, um, and quite often I'm upside down. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I want to, I want to get to the idea of, of why thrillers, but you said something in there that I think is fascinating. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if it would make sense for folks to consider this as they're embarking on or continuing to work on something that finds them in the moment, whether it's gardening or writing a book or skateboarding or whitewater rafting. 
but you said in the pursuit that uh, it, it's good to shoot for good, but that perfection is not required. So how would you finish this sentence? If perfection is not required, what is required is blank. Um, taking one small step at a time with the intention of figuring out where you're going. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, there's so many times in our day, in our week, in our month, in our year where we don't do that, where we're just going through the motion and, and you're not putting yourself in situations where you're experiencing the moment. And, and if, the, if your advice is heated and you just take a small step towards where you're going, and that is to try to find something in your life that gives you meaning and joy, yeah. that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 You're, you're awesome, Ken. (laughs) So, so let's talk about the thriller thing. I mean, you, you could have gone into haiku. Uh, You could have gone into um, uh, romance novels. I've read some of the descriptions in your brochures over the years and everybody knows from who's read those that you could have been a romance author, probably (laughs) under a different name, but who knows, but, but why thrillers? What, what drew you to that? Well, I, I really enjoy uh, reading thrillers. Mm. And um, it's funny, uh, you know, I, I got a master's in English literature and uh, part of this, that process is to take a, what's called a comprehensive oral exam in which you are theoretically responsible for knowing about everything ever written in English. Mm. <laughs> That 20, I, 20 minute multiple choice a, quiz. And so for, for a couple of years, I was working toward, you know, taking that exam and I would wake up in the middle of the night and said, holy mackerel, I haven't read any Carlisle. I don't know a thing about Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that awakening in the middle of one night, you know, and uh, I, I can't even remember anything about Carlisle right now, but after that I had to read Carlisle and, you know, and anyway, it was, uh, <clears throat> it was so much forced reading. It was, it was not all bad, but it, it kind of burned out my, my appetite for, for being forced into this sort of thing. And the fact is that um, uh, thrillers, some people think that thrillers are like uh, horror. uh, That's not what I call a thriller. It's, it's a matter of just something that's really fun to read. You can't put it down. You want to find out what's happening. And the good, the best thrillers include, at least the ones I like the best, uh, are the ones that teach you something along the way. You, the plot is is gripping, and you're kind of on the edge of your seat, and you end up, you know, uh, staying up too late reading, and mm-hmm. and uh, and so on. But that's kind of the fun of it. And um, and in the process, uh, if you can. Uh, learn things like uh, learn about a new city or uh, uh, maybe maybe little touches of the poetry of modern life or uh, little bits of wisdom or something or, you know, and, and the less um, the writer clobbers you over the head with it, the more it's just kind of embedded in the story, the better, you know, and certainly you don't want to stop the story and have long you know, uh, wisdom downloads, you know, (laughs) uh, but, um, uh, I try to weave, uh, a lot of, basically a lot of the stuff that I learned, you know, uh, in whitewater voyages, uh, teaching the guide schools and those sort of things. I, I, I did that the most in my very first, uh, thriller, whitewater, a thriller, (laughs) and which is the, which is the, uh, you know, that's the first book in the whole series. It, it doesn't have the subtitle uh, an Adam Weldon thriller because I didn't know it was going to be a series then. Yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to, to add that uh, to change the subtitle, but it turns out to uh, there's some bunch of roadblocks to changing a title and stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I haven't given up on it, but I'm, I'm not actively wor- working on that uh, little detail right at the moment but anyway um why thrillers uh they um uh i guess i just enjoy reading them i enjoy writing them um and uh i enjoy putting into them 
extra levels of awareness, extra little tidbits that um, uh, hopefully leave my reader with a whole new level of uh, appreciation about life, uh, uh, appreciation of, of the possibilities of being alive. And, yeah. and which, which book are you on now? Which number? So you, you know, Whitewater or Thriller was the first one. Where are we at now? Okay. Well, number two was Gold Bay. And number three, it, it just got released. And that's uh, Cyclops Conspiracy. And uh, that one, number three, um, it, it, as well as uh, being kind of a travelogue of the Greek islands, because I actually sailed uh, as a skipper. I uh, sailed all over the Greek islands. And I uh, I kept a journal. And then I wrote a uh, a nonfiction narrative of that whole trip hmm. called uh, Sailing the Greek Islands, Dancing with Cyclops. Oh, and interesting. That, that, that provided the, uh, the seed of idea, of the idea for, the, the, uh, for number three, which is called Cyclops Conspiracy, in which uh, uh, Adam and uh, others sail around and... Uh, uh, try to uh, round up 13 nuclear bombs that are being smuggled into Europe and America with, uh, with bad intentions. And, and, uh, and are you going to tell us how, how it ends? I mean, is it a good ending? We're not. Uh, well, it could be a book about the future in which it, he doesn't succeed. You oh, know? Oh, so that's the next book you're working on right now? Actually, no, no. I, I, I will say this, that I, I'm of the old school where I believe that you don't, and, and I shouldn't actually say this, but uh, you really shouldn't. I, I, I won't give any absolutes, but I'll just say that there's a contract between writer, mm. between author and reader. And there's certain things, there's certain conventions like, it's really a bad idea to kill off your main person. You know, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I won't say I, I never do it, but I'm just going to say, you know, that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, it, that, that could be just be good advice in life in general, right? Don't kill off your main person. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that'd be a good, uh, it'd be a good thing to put on your list of, you know, one of your goals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or this will get you fired. Going back to what we talked about earlier, killing your main person will get you fired. Will get you fired. Yeah. And you know, there's a place for that kind of uh, level of, you know, uh, communication, you know, this will get you fired, you know, but um, anyway, um, uh, so book four is what I'm uh, writing now. And I'm at the very end of the first draft. It, it could, uh, my first draft is actually more like my third draft because there's all kinds of little uh, levels between getting the, the first roughed and, and then getting it so that I'm ready to move on to the next chapter. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm at uh, uh, 45 chapters and um, it just occurred to me, you know what? The action has, the, the, the big climaxes have happened and I can make this the epilogue instead of dragging it out with, with a bunch of chapters that, um, that are just kind of after the climax. Mm -hmm. Why not just, just kind of wrap it all up with an epilogue? And so that's what I'm writing now. And, uh, but the trouble is, uh, is and, and that book is called Slay the Dragon. And it has to do, the, 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 uh, the summary is something like um, uh, China's unrelenting strategy a relentless strategy of unrestricted warfare with the participation of uh, bought and paid for U.S. elites has brought America to its knees. Can an ex-Navy SEAL, a, uh, a Chinese computer genius dissident, and uh, a Silicon Valley billionaire and a few others uh, save American democracy and put China on a better path. Wow, that sounds fascinating. That 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 sounds absolutely enjoyable to read. It sounds like a page turner. And what's your what's your expected ETA published date for that? Well. Um, uh, 
I, I don't put deadlines on myself, but um, it's, uh, I'm writing the epilogue, you know, and uh, I, I still need to go through it uh, probably several times and so on. So maybe a couple months, you know, something like that. And right now the Cyclops conspiracy can be purchased on Amazon. It definitely can. Yeah. That's a really good point, Ken. You're oh, really yes. amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'll repeat that. Right now, that that thriller, the Adam Wilden thriller, can be purchased on Amazon. And can it be purchased in different formats? Uh, it sure can. Um, it's uh, it, the uh, it can be purchased as an ebook. And uh, uh, now, oh, now we're we're talking about Cyclops conspiracy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that is uh, on special right now. Uh, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, uh, I got a special going just to kind of get the word out, spread the word, and spread the book. Um, Ninety nine cents on an ebook. As an ebook. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then the the uh, paperback is available. The uh, we have a really great narrator, and uh, that's being produced and. One thing I told the narrator is don't be in a hurry, just savor the experience and really get into the characters, the voices and that sort of thing. And so uh, that's probably going to be ready in July, oh, the audiobook. Right on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I love audiobooks uh, because I can, I can swim, I can drive, I can, you know, do things while I, uh, while I also am entertained and so on with the audiobook. So trade secret, have you ever listened, been listening to an audio book in the middle of a class five rapid? <laughs> I never have. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go behind earphones, you know, on a, uh, on a river trip at all, yeah. you know, but uh, no, that would be, that would be the wrong direction to go. Uh, yeah. But um, it's uh yeah, when you drive to and from a river trip, I've been known to uh, drive like here down to the Kern and, and I get to the Kern house and there's a whole bunch of people in there I'm looking forward to being with and talking to and catching up with. Instead, I sit in my car for another half an hour <laughs> listening to my audiobook. <laughs> you know, you got to get you got to get in the right frame of mind. You can't you can't leave yourself hanging. So you got to get in the right frame of mind. It's absolutely. Hey, hey Bill, how, how do you define success as an author? Hmm. Well, uh, very interesting question. Um, I, uh, I feel success each day that I make progress that I feel good about. And, uh, uh, one, uh, I think true fact is that, um, you may as well deal with true facts instead of untrue facts. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> uh, I think that, um, you can write the best book in the world and there's going to be a big slice of humanity that won't like it, hmm. you know? And uh, so uh, there's no such thing as, as uh, something that's universally perceived as perfect. Hmm. And um, so you're going to, you, you, you can't write with the idea that you're going to uh, write this perfect book. That's going to be universally loved. Uh, you have to write the best book you can and even then, you can't necessarily say, oh, this is the absolute best I can do. You just do the best you can right then. Because mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're saying it's the best I can do, um, you might work on the book for 20 years. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think that's the best way to go. It's one choice. It's, it, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's an option. But I think it's better to just um, do the best you can in, in some time frame that makes sense to you and then get it out there and then work on the next one, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, uh, for one thing, um, most people are not going to just take that one book and make that their whole life and just read that one book over and over and over because it's so perfect, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to, maybe they don't even make it all the way through, but they're going to read the whole, they're going to read it. You know, ideally they read the whole thing and really enjoy it. And, um, and Hey, they realize, Oh, you know what? Uh, that, that little part of the, that book, I, I think that could have been done a little better that, that part, you know, but that doesn't mean that the book isn't, uh, isn't a big success. Right. Boy, isn't, isn't that kind of the reflection of a river trip as well? Matter of fact, isn't that kind of the reflection of life? Um, just looking back, uh, it could have been a little bit better, but it doesn't mean it wasn't a success. 
you know, that is so uplifting and so such a positive thing. Um, we as humans uh, evolved and we are here literally because our brains focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. uh, the, our ancestors who were uh, in that cave, they were probably in there with people who didn't focus on the negative and they just sat there and they said, hey man, we've got a little stack of firewood and we got enough meat for tomorrow. We're set, you know? Yeah. And those guys didn't survive. You know, the ones that survived when they said, man, we only got enough meat for tomorrow. We got to go out and get more meat. <laughs> and so uh, those were the ones who survived. They, they, they're, they're the ones who are our ancestors. You know, the guys who, who focused on what the pro possible problem was. And so our brains are, are literally um, designed to focus on the positive, uh, on the negative, you know, mm -hmm. And so that's not a bad thing. It's just that it's so nice. And, and of course, it's a privilege, you know, to not be, uh, I mean, we are so frigging lucky. Just, just this morning, I was having the same uh, recurring thought. I do these stretches, uh, uh, kind of yogic stretches, stretches each morning, every morning that I take the time. And um, I was just thinking, Oh, this is so great. I'm so glad I'm treating myself to this. Man, this is just amazing to be alive and to have just the life I have. And but you see, I'm 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 counter uh, I'm com contrasting that to the fact that I spend a fair amount of my life thinking, "Oh, I got to do such and such. I got to do this. I got to get that done." you know, because my brain is oriented toward getting the things done that are problems. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's a good thing. You know, this, this thing of, oh, just, uh, you know, uh, be in the moment and, you know, and, and literally push all, all, uh, all the chop wood, carry water aspects of life out, out of your awareness. That's not going to work out too well, yeah. you know, but um to find the right balance and to treat yourself to, uh, uh, you know, to bubble up through it all and to, you know, moments of meditation or moments of stretching or moments of just, uh, just going inside and saying, you know what, this is so great. You know, that's really profound, but this, this podcast is about elevating and it's about realizing that, good can be as powerful as bad, if not even more so. But what you just described is this hardwiring that is just a part of who we are. But we also have the capacity to work around through by above that and and be grateful for all of the good that's out there. And, and do you feel like um, evolutionarily, we're, we're at a point now where we can temper some of the stuff that comes from the negative that comes from the survival uh, impulses that we have and focus even more on the good? Well, uh, you yourself can, your book, your wonderful book, Be the Good, and um, your podcast here, this conversation is evidence that we are moving in that direction. Um, when you, if you read the news, one of the things I found is that if I, if I start reading the news early in the morning, uh, it really uh, affects my creativity. It really uh, brings down my, the quality of my day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's, you have to, I, 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 you know, it's, it's important to be informed and that sort of thing, but um, you gotta, you gotta control this, you know, the, the influx. And part of it is that um, if it bleeds, it leads, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, whatever the perspective of the, um, of the, uh, you know, of the creator of, of a news item, uh, they're still focused on getting your attention, you know? And, uh, uh, holding your attention. And in a way, a thriller does that too, because, you know, you, you, you read a story, you don't want to read a story about some guy who's just having a cup of coffee and everything's great. And, yeah. you know, and that's the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so it, 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 it's, it's kind of like running a river, you know, why get on just a totally flat river, you know, get on a, get on a fun river, you know, yeah. and that uh, calls you into the moment and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, um, uh, you know, um, work your way up gradually, make sure that you're ready, you have the equipment and the experience to handle the river you're tackling. And, um, and, you know, but make the most of each, each journey, but try not to, um, bite the big one, uh, too early. Yeah. Bite the big one later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and you've, you, you and I have both been in situations where we bit the big one later and we're here to talk about it, which is great. You've yeah, got a, very you've fortunate. Got a, you got a big, uh, a big event coming up. you mentioned earlier, you're going to be 74 and I am uh, going to spend some time with those of us i hope i'm included in that if i can get I away so to yeah. do a, a river trip um if uh if you had an opportunity to build a life if, if you had an opportunity to share advice to people who have built a life who could build a life like yours if you had an opportunity to share with people who can build a life like yours uh, where you get to celebrate being 74 with a bunch of people that you've known for decades and that love you and that you love, what, what advice would you give? What advice would you give? Let's, let's, let's call this the last question. Wow. Well, thanks for that question. Um, and for the implicit uh, acknowledgements built into that. Um, uh, well, I would say um Uh, listen to yourself, uh, listen, uh, listen to others too. Um, uh, take time for yourself, take time to, uh, tune into yourself, to honor yourself, um, and, uh, try to build that into your life on a regular basis. And, uh, uh, um, realize that uh, you don't have to be perfect. Um, it is generally a really good idea to um, uh, move forward by calling yourself into the moment and uh, it, uh, ha you know, uh, uh, respond to impulses within yourself that seem like um, this is a future that I'd like to create. This is something that has value for me, has meaning for me. And try to move in that direction uh, in ways that um, are doable and with little small steps. And uh, uh, you don't have to know exactly where you're going, but um, uh, you, I, I think that it's a good idea to uh, follow your own sense of what would be uh, valuable, what would be um, nurturing for you and for others. And uh, so I, uh, I wish I had a, uh, a, just a simple kind of message. One would be, here's a simple message, read the guide's guide augmented. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. even better message, even better message, read Be the Good by oh, Ken Street. Okay, I appreciate that, Bill. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the Good Change podcast today and for all the goodness that you've brought to the world. It, it's, it's, it's not just a, um, a casual statement when I say that you have made the world a much better place and the people that have had the good fortune to read your books and spend time in your company and share a raft with you are eternally grateful and uh, just wanted to say thank you. Well, thank you so much, Ken. Um, uh, I'm just utterly blown away by that acknowledgement and by just the whole, when I reflect on uh, just all the people that have been a part of Whitewater Voyages, both, you know, the, the staff and also all the people who come on our trips, just so, so, so many amazing people. And uh, so it's just uh, quite an honor. And, um, uh, you know, um, if I, 
you know, if I have any doubts about, uh, about it all, just I, I look at you and I look at so many others who have um, been a part of Whitewater Voyages and now are doing just such amazing things. You know, um, uh, maybe I was, you know, step one, but you guys are way up at step 10. And so that's, if I had something to do with that, to help you up to step two, that's pretty, pretty special. So you, you did. anyway, I'm honored. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks for this hour. Um, we're looking forward to reading your next book. You can go to williamaginnis.com to get more information. We'll also have a link in the show notes to the Amazon page pages that you can purchase uh, the existing books. Happy birthday and look forward to more conversations with the bill. Thanks so much, Ken. Me too. With every show, we ask our guests to share a video of them doing something fun. One of their favorite songs, a few lines from a book they enjoyed, or a scene from a great movie. Something that matches their hopes, dreams, and good work. And then we give this to you. Because laughter and beauty soothes, heals, and changes us. You can find and unwrap this gift on any of our social media sites. Thank you for participating in this podcast. Until next time, keep an eye out for change. Good change. And join our movement at kenstreeter.com.